Hello again and welcome to another episode of Hopeful Moments Podcast. I am Hope Boykin and answering your questions through truth and transparency, sharing experiences, growing in my own strength, which I pray will be a benefit to someone somewhere, is so important to me. Being truly true to who I am and am called to be is at the top of my list. It's also important that each moment, every single one of these moments we spend together, are full of hope. I'm ready to talk, so let's talk. So today, my plan is to attack some of the questions that I've been asked uh, over the course of uh, many, many months, um, even maybe as far as six months back, some things that I've been avoiding answering. Sometimes I get questions from young artists who are writing a paper or doing doing a project or friends will send me some interview questions because they'd like to have a dancer's uh, or a choreographer's perspective. And then even those people, uh, those young uh, artists who are um, just interested in, in truly finding out how I've gone this far or how I have gotten this far in my career. But some of the questions um, that I find really the most interesting because there are those questions that I'm asked over and over again, but some of the ones that are most interesting have to deal with my heart lessons. And um, if you know much about me or follow me on Instagram or um, Facebook, then you know that I'm constantly writing about uh, lessons that I've learned through experiences of heartbreak and heartache and, and whether it's heartache from work or heartache from uh, relationships or even friendship heartache, I, I'm able to share those things through my words. And so I've been asked some questions about that. So today is um, the day for answers. Uh, and the first question I'm going to attack is something that I do get a lot, but I think it's important that people often ask me what my name means to me. And so then I say, well, you know, my name is a word. And so for you today, I'm going to define it. Hope as a noun, the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that the events will turn out for the best. Um, Hope is a verb used with object, (laughs) as the definition says, um, to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence, to believe, desire, or trust. And finally, um, used as uses the verb again, but without object, which is so funny to me, but um, hope is to feel that something desired may happen, to place trust or rely on or in. And I, I think that, that um, I realize that my name carries a lot of weight. Uh, it doesn't really bother me that that it is that it does. Uh, I I will say that I remember flying to South Africa once, and um, one of the flight attendants asked me if I lived up to my name every day. And I looked at him and said, "Now, how would that be possible? I can aspire to be as hopeful <laughs> as um, as I possibly can. I can def- I can aspire to to bring." light and um, optimism to situations. I can aspire to be as confident as possible. I can, I can aspire toward all of those things, but I am a person with feelings. I'm a person who um, wants the best, but 
also is realistic. I can see uh, the future and I can feel disappointment. And with all of that, um, as a as a part of who I really am, I can only be the best that I can be. I can't stretch myself uh, uh, further, or can I? Well, I've learned that um, I can step away uh, from from my own feelings at times and see the brighter side of the situation. Um, I've learned that. I've learned. Uh, that that there is another way when I when I have a disagreement, for example, with someone, um, and I'm explaining uh, what's gone down to another person, just to just to check to see if I've asked all of the right questions to confirm that I have I've answered uh, or responded appropriately. I tried to share both sides of the situation. There are two sides to every coin, and so when I'm searching for uh, my best side, my best self, it's important that I lay down all of the circumstances. And I find that that people will will comment on that. They will um, show admiration for me for maybe putting myself in a light that I don't want to be seen in simply because I want the entire story explained. And so I'm finding that that does uh, set a good example. Um, it's something that I've had to work toward. It's not, it's not been easy. Uh, you know, I have people who laugh at me because they say, "Hope you always want to be right." I don't think that that's odd for anyone, but I don't have a problem admitting when I'm wrong. Um, so maybe I do work toward living up to what my name means. So when I walk into a room, I try to bring as much hope as I possibly can. <laughs> So another question that I often hear, but but maybe not phrased quite uh, like this, is that I faced many setbacks as well as opposition, so what keeps me going? Um, I have no idea, really. There was one particular Valentine's Day, maybe about 10 years ago, that my mother sent me a love note. And in that note, she described or reminded me, you know, basically she wrote down all of the reason she was proud. And these particular reasons were because she uh, knew that I had overcome a lot of adversity. And she, she recalled things that I had completely forgotten. She brought up times when I was at Howard and wasn't chosen to be in a particular group or a time when I was had just gotten to the Ailey School and wanted to audition for something and I wasn't allowed to audition because I wasn't at the high, a high enough level in ballet class or when I wanted to uh, be in a certain work um, when I was at Philodenko and I didn't get the role that I wanted. And she just kept reminding me of all of the things that I had accomplished, all of the things that I'd overcome. She, she reminded me all of the times when I could have been discouraged and could have given up and then I didn't. This is something I definitely can't explain except to say that um, I've been determined to uh, press forward, that, that I'm allergic to no. I am allergic to hearing that I can't have something. Um, even, <laughs> even if I go into a store and I see something that I like and they tell me that they don't have my size, I say, are you sure? And then we go on an investigation and a hunt because I don't like hearing no. Maybe that's been really good for me. Maybe being allergic to no is something that has made me a stronger individual. I guess if I were to, to, 
go a little bit deeper, I would say that I wish I were allergic to more of my own nose and the voices that I hear in my head. Um, when it comes to someone else speaking to me, when it comes to an outside force or an outside person telling me what I can't have, I tend to work much harder. But I think that there's something to say about uh, pressing forward, um, pressing to the end of the race, uh, seeing the prize ahead of me and knowing that I can have it. That's what keeps me going. So here's another question I like, simply asking what motivates me. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because so much motivates me. It's when I, um, <laughs> when I do something as simple as clean the kitchen, I'm motivated to maintain it. I mean, it sounds silly, but all of a sudden I get a new burst of energy. When I walk into a studio with young students in it, I'm motivated to give them my best because I see these bright eyes looking at me and willing to take in as much information as I possibly can give them. And I'm motivated to, to, um, fully unzip and be as honest and true with them as I possibly can because that's my one chance. It's my one opportunity. I'm motivated by the things that I've experienced. I'm motivated by um, pains in my heart. I'm motivated to write because I, I feel like, oh, I want to put this down on paper that this didn't go well for me. So maybe in 10 years when someone else reads it, they can say, oh, I'm in that same position. I'm in that same situation. And this is how Hope handled it. So maybe I can handle it this way. I guess my motivation is tied to education because all of these things are how I can do something better, how I can keep someone else from falling, how I can uh, be an example to those who may need to see someone that looks like them, someone that is shaped like them, someone who is uh, built and, and, and organizes their thoughts like them. Maybe they're seeing me as a great representation so that I can uh, help to carve a path for them. I mean, I can't teach them how to walk, but I can tell them maybe not, uh, I, I can inform them the best path to take so they won't slip and fall. I mean, maybe, you know, it's, I guess, I, I, I guess my motivation really is tied to learning. It's tied, it's tied to, to teaching. It's tied to education and how I can best be a problem solver for those who are, are just, um, coming into a situation like mine, maybe coming into the dance world or, or coming into a difficult uh, relationship. Maybe I am something like that. <laughs> These questions are much harder than I expected them to be. So another one is, um, if I had uh, the chance to do anything differently in my career, what would that be? Well, I think I would listen a little more. I think I would um, invite uh, new ideas a little bit more. I believe in in early. I believe earlier in my career, I thought um, I was very focused. I was very uh, um, uh, determined to go down one particular path. But I feel like I wish I had opened my mind to many things. Maybe opened my mind to different ways of moving, even if it didn't appeal to me particularly. Um, that I would have a, a broader palette, uh, a, a larger taste for things than, than um, waiting so long to do them. I think I would read a lot more because um, reading also teaches you about other people's experiences. 
Um, I'm lucky that I've been able to travel, and travel broadens the mind. But I think that if I'd read a little bit more, um, instead of thinking that that I was just going to spend my time and my focus on this particular type of dance that I liked or that I loved, or rather that I still love, that I would, that my mind would be a little more open or would have been open a little sooner to accept um, different styles, to accept a different voice, to, um, to be encouraging in a different way because um, now that I'm, I'm older and I've been in this field for so long, I find that I have to rip away old habits, which is a good thing. Um, I just feel like I wish I'd known that a little bit sooner. Uh, I would have opened my heart um, to more experiences and more chances to learn. But then on the reverse, what I what I did up until that point has made me who I am now. So I don't have any regrets about it, but if I could tweak some things, I think I would listen more. I think I would um, have read more. And, oh, one more thing. I would have tried um, to to understand food a little bit differently and to know that it could feed me and nourish me and keep me healthy. Um, it would have... It helped me heal myself a little differently than, than just something tasting good. I would have been able to attack that, that idea of, of not being able to have something because it wasn't good for me and having that make sense. Uh, knowing that I was fueling my body, knowing that I was helping uh, my body to run properly, um, just like we put great gas uh, we should put great gas in a car that we've spent a lot of money on. Why wouldn't I put good food in a system in my body, in my vehicle, in my instrument that I only have one of and can't be replaced? Um, I think that that would also be something that I would do a little differently. So this next question is a dance-related question for sure. Um, is learning other people's choreography difficult? Oh, my goodness. It feels like, um, oh, you know, so, so let me tell you, I found, <laughs> I've been finding that my, my eyesight is, is changing. Um, it's disturbing to me. I definitely feel my age more um, in this last six months to a year than I have simply because I've had to get closer to things. I've had to turn on a light so that I could see <laughs> the small print. Yes, I'm admitting to these things, but... Um, if I were to compare what learning choreography has been like lately, I compare it to not being able to keep up with those who are younger than me. But I wonder if it's really that or if it's the type of movement that, um, that I've had to learn. Some things are not necessarily as natural to me, so my body doesn't uh, use its default mechanisms or is not allowed, my body is not allowed to use its default mechanisms to learn choreography, so it's become quite difficult for me to, to pick up something. Now, once I understand it, once I have given myself a moment of um, not judging me for not being able to learn so quickly, then then I'm more successful. But getting from point A to point B and then to C is a huge struggle. It brings out all of my insecurities. I am a broken person in the studio when, you know, 25 other people around me seem to remember what's next and I can't remember how the combination started. I mean, this really does happen. It's 
it's frustrating. It's um, debilitating in some ways because then you can't seem to move forward. I have to constantly ask my loving coworkers, what's next? What's next? Can you stand in front of me? Or when it's time to demonstrate the movement, I, I am two or three beats behind because I'm following along with um, trying to look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's me being completely transparent, saying it is so difficult. It is so hard, and it is so frustrating when I learn new choreography. Maybe that's why I'm super compassionate to people when they have a difficult time. Um, I always do this exercise of going back. We Okay, let's go back again from the beginning. Let's go back a little faster. Let's go back on high speed is what I may say, but I'm constantly understanding. It's easy for me to understand why people have a difficult time getting choreography, learning choreography, remembering choreography, because I have that issue myself. As I have said before, when I am on stage, I am definitely at home. This is just one of the obstacles that I find um, keeps me from getting to the stage sometimes when I can't learn the choreography fast enough for whomever's setting a new work in the room. You know, you want to be a help to them and not a hindrance. And if I can't learn it and they can't see their work, they can't see their words and their movement, then sometimes you get left out because you can't keep up. So it is difficult for me. Um, that's how I end up trying to find a way out, and I know it will get better. It always gets better. Someone asked what I do uh, with the knowledge that I've acquired up till now. Well, that's easy. I share it. I absolutely give it away. I give it away even when people don't want it. I will write a note and say, um, you may not remember this situation, but this is how I would have handled it um, these are ways that you can be better if you would just do this. Trust me, I've done this. I've learned this. This is what someone has taught me, and I will always share the name of the person or the time that I learned it. I believe that passing on information is the only way to help people to move forward. You often hear people say that they stand on the shoulders of so many who've come before them. Standing on their shoulders doesn't mean that you've avoided um, the, the drama, it just means that they have taught you how to handle, they've taught you how to deal with, they've taught you how to cope, or they've taught you how to embrace a situation, an obstacle, a difficulty, and then you've been able to do that because someone else has shared their um, story with you. And so that ties in a lot to how I feel about educating young people how I feel about educating young artists. It ties into how I feel about giving all of myself because if I can leave that thought, if I can leave a memory, if I can leave someone with uh, a better way to do something or another way to try something, then their options are, are open and their mind is, is exposed to um, a broader sense of who they can be. So it's, it's funny when someone also asks uh, why it's so easy for me to share about my heart troubles or my heart aches. And honestly, it's not very easy. I mean, I am a talker. I'm a giver um, when it comes down to uh, sharing in general. But telling people about what's hurt me, um, I found, is not really just for me, um, but it's also for them. 
knowing that I can be open and unzip and be truthful about um, a, a breakup, be truthful about loving someone and not being or not feeling the love that I would like to feel back, um, about having an argument with a friend and how to try to solve an argument, but then it not being able to be solved and that heartbreak of, of losing someone that you really, really love, um, or even talking about uh, death, talking about the loss of my father and what that meant to me or how I used that loss uh, when I was on stage as fuel to help me understand certain roles um, that I've been able to perform. So I don't know if I've ever shared that I self-published a book called Moments by Hope. And in this particular book, I really um, open up about um, those heart lessons and those heartaches. And so one of my favorite moments goes something like this. How can your heart be broken from nothing? I mean, not nothing, but the something that is really nothing, all from your own doing, all from your own anticipation, hopeful expectation, useless expectation. Hearing the words, believing their truths, believing the thoughts that you think you hear. On one day, Monday, it's beautiful. Tuesday, I doubt, reassured by Thursday. Friday, again, it aches. Today, again, you wait. That useless anticipation, painful self-exploration, unsure of it all, questioning your worth, knowing you're the only one, breaking, alone, so... How can my heart be broken from nothing? All right, so then this is this is hilarious. I was recently asked um <laughs> basically men would understand women if they would only and women would understand men if they would only. <laughs> and this might get me in trouble, but I would say men would understand women if they would only listen. And women would understand men if they would only listen. How's that? <laughs> and I'm going to leave that right there. Has anyone ever asked you if you were happy? <laughs> I think it is the strangest question in the world. Um, but I get asked that question a lot. Are you happy? I am happy sometimes. I am happy that I wake up in the morning. I'm grateful that I wake up. Um, I am joyful about a lot of things. I'm contented about a lot of things. But I think happy happiness is a feeling that... Um, can go and come at any moment simply because something can make you sad and take your happy. So dealing with um, answering a question like that is hard for me, but I get it. I get it when people want to know if you're happy. I get it if people want to know if, if the choices you've made are fulfilling you. Um, apparently, that's the American dream, whatever that means, being happy and prosperous. But what is happiness really? I have uh, I remember traveling um, with Miss Jamison and a couple of other friends of mine to Senegal, 
And I will never forget going through the market one day and there was a woman selling tomatoes and maybe she had eight tomatoes. Maybe she had eight. And she was sitting with her tomatoes on a mat and people would go by and she would laugh and she would talk and she'd rear back, you know, with this huge smile and laughter. And I'm thinking, she just wants to sell her eight tomatoes. She's not trying to get in the next ballet. She's not trying to win the lottery. She's not trying to save a million dollars. She's not uh, trying to buy that car. She's trying to sell eight tomatoes. And there was such joy in her voice and such joy in her spirit. And when we came back by, she had one tomato left to sell. And it moves me even now when I think about it because we've put so much um, weight on happiness. We put so much weight on acquisition. We put so much weight on bigger is better. And I am guilty. I love to, uh, to acquire a new purse. I love to get a new pair of shoes. But is that fulfilling me? Is that bringing me joy? You know, not like this woman who was sitting on the curb in Senegal selling her eight tomatoes. I mean, it sounds so strange, but I promise you this is a true story. I promise you I would not make this up, but that thought, that laughter, that smile on that woman has never left me. And when I look at the world and I look at my situation and, and, and circumstances that frustrate me, I get a chance to go back and revisit that moment, realizing that I am blessed. I am, I've been given so many opportunities. I am full of hope on most days. <laughs> So I'm going to close with this one uh, final question. Uh, someone asked, a really good friend asked me this, actually. He asked if uh, when I stopped dancing, when I stopped performing, um, would I be ready to lose this part of my identity? And um, I you know, thought to myself, what is he talking about? I mean, I am an individual. I don't need this uh, job. I don't need this um this particular lifestyle to inhale and exhale. And he looked at me like, well, are you? Are you ready? Do you know what that's going to mean when you leave this thing that's been uh, fueling you, that's been giving you life and giving you joy for all of these years? Are you ready to lose it? And I started crying immediately. I realized that I, I was telling myself something that wasn't true. This dance life, this um, wonderful job that I have with the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, traveling the world, meeting all sorts of people, um, being able to express myself through movement, being able to choreograph uh, for this company and other companies around the country, being able to teach class. All of this dance-related life gives me breath, allows me to inhale and exhale um, the way that I've been designed to. So when it comes to an end, whenever that is, don't take this comment as, as it's tomorrow, but when it comes to an end, I will change. I will lose something. I will lose a part of me. Something in me will go away. Something in me will die. But then something else will be born. Something new will come. There will be a new idea, a new thought, a new mission, a new plan, a new project even. I will uh, be okay when it ends. It will um, be difficult, but I am strong. I am secure in my uh, abilities to create 
a new plan, a new day, a new um, a new structure for my life. Um, I will continue to walk in God's will for me and be the best hope I can absolutely be. Whoa, this one was a hard one today, talking about me, me, me. <laughs> yes, I share about myself, you know, with each episode, but getting down into the, um, the, the depths of how I feel and how I think about myself is, ooh, this was trying, but, you know, um, I'm happy that we got to share this way. I'm happy that I got to answer some of the questions that I've been asked over the course of this last year and um, you know I don't like to end any episode without reminding you that we are exactly enough beautifully and wonderfully made being my best self is what's important and I want you to continue to strive to be the best person that you can be as well but also don't forget that there is nothing impossible for God so until next time thank you so much for being a part of this hopeful moment podcast. Thank you guys. See you later.